Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Overs Partners. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And it's another show we're talking about the Tenancy Tribunal saying you can't increase the rent that much. So I'm going to tell you a bit of a story which I found in the most recent issue of the New Zealand Property Investor magazine. And this one stood out to me. This is where a guy, a landlord called Rowan Turnbull, was renting out a property in Amberley to a tenant called Julian Richards. Now, this was a two-bedroom property in Amberley, and if you don't know where that is, it's about an hour north of Christchurch. Now, the rent on that property was $320 a week, but 18 months into the tenancy, the landlord says to the tenant, the rent's going up by... $100 a week. 18 months. I thought this was going to be a landlord that had rented a property out and left it for years and then just tried to bring it to market rate. No, it was about 18 months and he proposed increasing it by 30% to $420 per week. Now, the tenant took this very badly. They started emailing the landlord and I'll quote actually the judgment from the tenancy tribunal. The adjudicator there said for the tenant, this set in chain a process whereby he almost forensically looked at every perceived defect and repair issue which before then had not concerned him. The landlord began receiving 30 to 40 emails a week from the tenant, which took a huge toll on the landlord's mental health. So what did the landlord do? He got a property manager in. And eventually this landlord actually decided he was going to sell the property and ended the tenancy. Now, they ended up in the tenancy tribunal, and what the tribunal did was they retrospectively said that $420 a week was too high and that the market rent was actually $370. This was after the tenant had already moved out because the tenancy had ended, so the landlord had to pay back what the tenancy tribunal saw as excess rent. Now, Andrew... Why wasn't the landlord able to increase the rent by that much, by the amount that they wanted to? Okay, well, there's actually very few rules about what you can charge for rent. But when you're increasing rent to the tenants, you can't increase it to a point where it's above market rent by a substantial amount. That's what the wording is in the legislation. Now, the good question is, well, what does market rent actually mean? And the definition is, the rent that a willing landlord might reasonably expect to receive and a willing tenant might reasonably expect to pay. Now that takes into account the general level of rents for comparable tenancies and comparable premises in a similar location and any other matters that the tenancy tribunal considers relevant. So for example, if there was you know one room that wasn't able to be used at the moment because there were renovations going on or something had happened to that room. I think the other thing there is when we're talking about a willing landlord, a willing tenant, we're talking about if there was no impetus for a tenant to move in, say if they had to move somewhere. So it's people who are not under any stress to either make a decision to rent a property or a decision to tenant out a property. And of course, it doesn't take into account the individual circumstances of the landlord or tenant. So for example, if a tenant was particularly poor and couldn't afford a rental increase, well, that doesn't come into it. Or if the landlord's interest rate suddenly went up a substantial amount and they needed to cover that, well, that doesn't come into it either. It's about what is fair in the open market. Now, the Tenancy Tribunal said in this case, $420 per week was way too high. And so what was interesting about this is the property management company actually reduced the rent to $400 when they took over the management of this property. 
And then when the Tenancy Tribunal looked at it, they said, well, the market's actually 370 per week, in our opinion. And that's what they said was fair and reasonable. And the big question here is, was $420 what the landlord wanted to set the rent at? Was that really the market rent? Now, while the Tenancy Tribunal said that, and I'm, you know, I'm going to quote from the judgment here, they said, the tribunal is at a loss to understand how the landlord could consider a 30% rent increase reasonable and justified. Now, the interesting thing is, that's what was quoted in New Zealand Property Investor. But here's the thing, the 30% increase in itself is actually not the issue. Because the tribunals effectively said, when they came out and said, well, no, it should be 370 a week, they were saying that a 16% increase was okay. So it's not actually about the percentage increase, that's not the issue because there is no limit to what you can increase the rent by. So, for example, if you are massively under-renting a property, for example, a, a three-bedroom property for $100 a week, you could triple or quadruple that rent, and that would still be reasonable in the tenancy tribunal's eyes. The issue is whether or not $420 is substantially above the market rent for a two-bedroom house in Amberley in April 2022, when the rental adjustment letter was sent. And that's where there actually become some issues. Because if you go onto tenancy services and use their market rent tool, there is market rent for three-bedroom properties in Amberley. But because it is such a small town with only 1,800 people, there is no market rent data for two-bedroom properties in Amberley. And in fact, if you went on to Trade Me right now, there are only four properties that are listed on Trade Me at the moment in Amberley, and from memory, none of them were two-bedroom properties. So the issue here is how do you set the market rent when actually there's not a lot of data out there? That's where you'd have to keep an eagle eye on Trade Me to see what else is renting there, because there was no justification given from the landlord as to why he set $320 a week. Similarly, there was nothing from the Tenancy Tribunal either about why they thought $370 was reasonable. So it all comes down to what evidence do you have, especially in a small town like this, what evidence do you have that what you are saying is reasonable? And that's where you'd be looking quite closely at those Trade Me rental listings and any data you possibly can find that would support your case. But again, it is very hard to say. There's only 176 rental properties in Amberley in total. And so there's no evidence you could say about a two-bedroom unit. But Andrew, this is the next point I want to dig into. How did the rental increase impact the relationship between the landlord and the tenant? Well, basically destroyed any relationship that they had. Any sense of working relationship where they could go to each other and discuss things was off the table because the tenant was so upset that there was a significant increase, $100 a week, that's completely unfair. And then it led to them obviously stressing and worrying about it, emailing the landlord 30 to 40 times a week, taking that, as Ed said before, forensic approach to everything the landlord had ever done that was in breach of what they considered their rights living in the property. So basically, it destroyed the relationship. It was over. And the interesting thing is when you get into that sort of relationship between the landlord and the tenant, everything becomes an issue. So if you would actually read through the judgment, there were, there are issues about the tenant claims that the landlord wouldn't let them have a flatmate, which of course you don't actually need permission for, but that was a whole other issue. 
there were issues about the tenant claims that the landlord's brother had dug up all of their their veggies in the in the garden, and the landlord's brother said, "Oh, they were all weeds." And the tenant said, "No, I was growing those plants for seeds." <laughs> you know, there were a number of issues. This specific property, it's and got a two- police police getting involved. Oh, the, the the police were getting involved because this property is uh, effectively a home and income. There's a two bedroom property at the front, and then a one-bedroom sleep-out at the back, which is a legally consented separate dwelling. The tenant who lived at the back used to be this guy's mate. Now he's not anymore because he's upset that the tenant's not being a nice person to the landlord. There are so many different things in here. Now, we're not going to get all into them, but one point that I really wanted to pull out was this question about exemplary damages. So often what can happen in the tenancy tribunal is if the landlord does something illegal, very bad, and they meant to do it, the tenancy tribunal might say, you know what, we're going to charge you $1,000 because we're going to make an example of you. And we're going to charge you, and this is going to be effectively a fine for doing something bad. And that is to do two things. One, to punish you for doing a naughty thing. And the second thing is to warn other landlords not to do the same thing. Now, in this case, the landlord asked whether the tenancy tribunal would give exemplary damages against the tenant effectively saying, hey, I've been getting these 30 to 40 emails. I'm being harassed. If you're going to charge landlords who do the same thing, surely you could do that for the tenant. Now, do you think the landlord was awarded anything? No. No. Now, (laughs) the reason behind that is there's no provision in the Residential Tenancies Act for landlords to get compensation for loss of enjoyment or harassment. So tenants, feel free to harass your landlords. You're not going to be charged for it. And the other thing is that for exemplary damages to be awarded, you have to do something against the law and you have to do it intentionally. So because there is no provision in the Act that tenants can't harass their landlords and be awarded exemplary damages for that, that's why nothing was given. And I thought that was a really interesting point. The Tenancy Tribunal can't just award punitive damages willy-nilly. It has to be provided for in the Act. And actually, there was an interesting point in here too. Yeah, so the landlord tried to claim gardening costs and he had his brother come in and do a bunch of gardening work because otherwise that would have fallen on the tenant's responsibility. It's the tenant's job to keep and maintain all the lawns. But there were no costs awarded because there was no loss to the landlord. So because the landlord wasn't paying the brother, he wasn't out of pocket. So they can't award any costs. And that's the interesting thing with the Tenancy Tribunal. If you're going to try and claim for losses, you actually have to have losses. That's the reason why, if we think back to depreciation, if you've got a dryer or an appliance that is fully depreciated and the tenant damages it, from an accounting perspective, there is no loss. So you can't claim that back against the tenant. Now, what do you think, Andrew, landlords need to take away from this case study? Well, I think the most important thing is you need to evidence your rental increases. Now, this is... If you are doing it yourself, so it's difficult in this situation because there is no evidence why 420 was a justifiable rent and hence why the landlord ended up at the tenancy tribunal and hence why they ended up having to pay some of that money back. But I think probably the key message, in my opinion, get a property manager because the property manager is actually going to go out and set what they believe market rent is. They know what the law is, so they're not going to charge anything that's excessive. And it's really interesting that the property manager in this case made the decision to decrease the rent, which actually makes them, the property manager, worse off as well because they get a percentage of the rent collected. So they're obviously thinking it's over the top if they're going to cut their own payday 
to do the right thing by the tenant. And it was interesting in the decision, the adjudicator mentioned that effectively the property manager was an innocent bystander in this. The relationship was already yes. ruined between the landlord and the tenant. And sometimes what landlords will do is you'll think, oh, I'm going to self-manage it. All good, fine. And then something goes horribly wrong. You think, okay, now it's time to get a property manager in. The property manager is a workhorse, but they're not a miracle worker. So if you have irreparably damaged your relationship with the tenant because you've messed something up, then it's not like they can come in and just paper over the cracks. That's probably not going to work. And in this case, the really sad thing is this sort of stress that the landlord effectively put themselves through caused them to sell this property, which over time may have been a good long-term investment. I don't know the landlord, but I'm assuming that would have been the case. I can see how the stress has caused them to sell this property and get out of investing. And that's the risk of what happens if you self-manage your property at some times. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to make a good investment decision, it might be time for you to come in for a portfolio planning session with our team. Easy way to do this, go to our website, opuspartners.co.nz, click the big orange Get Started button, and give you a call, see if it's the right fit. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicole. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you with the most amazing property market. Until next time, bye.